How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Front Office You podcast. We have another special episode of Front Office You Fridays for you here today. I am excited to be going over with the special guest that we have today, a University of Iowa alum, so a career, a career path that I'm familiar with, and I'm super excited to have on this podcast today. She is a guest services coordinator at Daytona International Speedway, recent grad, as mentioned, from the University of Iowa in 2020. With me, without further ado, we have Hannah Thomas. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Nathan, thanks uh, for having me on uh, this podcast for Office U. Definitely an awesome thing I, I see frequently on LinkedIn. So supporting the University of Iowa grads and uh, uh, go Hawks. Excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you, Hannah. I definitely appreciate you, you know, mentioning us on LinkedIn. I know with RK, also University of Iowa alum, we're just doing what we can to make the Hawkeye logo, you know, stand out when it comes to the sports industry. So I think a great way to start this show, you know, being from the University of Iowa, we have those ties as Hawkeye, part of the sports and recreation management program. Before we get into the college aspect of it, though, I'm very curious to hear how, you know, you even got interested in sports. Um, you know, just kind of go into detail as to where you're from and how even making sports a career even came to mind. Yeah, uh, from small town Illinois, uh, definitely not the Chicago area, but always had a passion for uh, for sports. You know, played growing up, probably the typical, you know, middle school, high school career. Uh, realized I was not good enough uh, to play Division One sports, so but I wanted to go to Division One school. So uh, went to the University of Iowa, fell in love with Dan Matheson and the sport and rec management program, just his experience he had coming from the NCAA and the Yankees when I first met him. I couldn't believe it, thought that was the coolest thing ever to have a teacher that worked for the Yankees at some point. So I uh, jumped in and uh, definitely always wanted to bring sports to fans. I always enjoyed the role sports had in my life. And so to be able to have a career that was bringing sports to fans, I was like, that's the best kind of career to have. So jumped in it. Um, University of Iowa was great. So many opportunities to grow, learn more about it, the business behind it, more than just, you know, people running around a field or cars running around the track. There's a lot more that goes into it. So learned a lot from day one at the University of Iowa and just have uh, taken off since. So enjoying my career now, being out of school and hope to continue and just grow and learn. Yeah, it's been really awesome getting, being able to see your career. I know we didn't get too much time together with COVID, you know, not many classes together, but, you know, seeing from where you graduated my sophomore year, and now that you were an intern for Daytona, and now you're pretty much working full time over there, it's just been amazing to see how far your career has gone in just these past few years. I definitely wanted to focus on, you know, a little bit as to why you ultimately decided on the University of Iowa. You mentioned a few things, whether it was professors, opportunities they have to offer, when you were in high school and kind of going through that college search, were there any other schools that came to mind or was University of Iowa always like the go-to school you wanted to go to? Yeah, I think a, a little bit of both. Yes, on that question. Um, I had a couple. So like I said, I wanted to go to a bigger school. I grew up in a small town. And so that was something I wanted to try uh, personally is to go something much bigger. Um, I looked at the University of Missouri uh, to the Tigers where probably there in Iowa was kind of one, two for me. I was interested in sports journalism, more on the writing side. Um, and that was more for the University of Missouri. Uh, and then Iowa had more of the business management communication side. So um, kind of teeter tottered on the decision with those two for a while. And like I said, I finally went out to the University of Iowa for a couple of visits, uh, met Packy Moran, Dan Matheson, Ah Jensen, some of the professors and lecturers out at the University of Iowa. 
and I just fell in love with that program. I thought they have a lot of cool experiences and they were talking about different trips they've taken to Chicago and Minnesota and all around. And I was like, I gonna do that. That's something you could do. I did not know that. Uh, so they're, you know, talking about these, all these professionals they've met for countless teams. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like something I could sign up for. If I'm going to jump in, might as well jump in with people that have worked in the places that a lot of the art professors and lecturers have worked at. They, they know what they're talking about. It's more than just read a textbook and this is how it works. Uh, it's very much they've experienced that from their careers in the past and are able to kind of output that um, in their work. So plus Go Hawks, it was the best decision I made. I absolutely loved it from day one I got there. I love the University of Iowa. I have nothing but great things to say about it. Go Hawks, of course. Yeah, no, I think it's one thing I definitely wanted to highlight about your answer there is the fact that you already had an idea of like kind of sort of what you wanted to major in and go into when it came to, you know, majors in college. I know a lot of college students out there don't really have that that benefit of the knowing exactly what it is they want to do with their career. But one thing about your approach that I definitely want to highlight and appreciate, appreciate you sharing is the fact that, you know, you took the step to um, go over the the I guess you can say checklist of what you were looking for. You mentioned that Missouri had a lot of view with like the broadcast and communication side, whereas the Hawkeyes had a lot to do with more of the business and, and communication side, which is which is something that when you're going into that college search, I think it's really important to really understand what exactly it is that you're looking for and want to get out of the program. And another thing sure. that I think is very important is you know the visitations and getting to meet professors and staff. I think that is a very big topic that isn't spoken about enough. I think professors mm -hmm. and curriculum is really what's going to make your experience at college. And that brings me into the next topic, which is a perfect segue here. Being at the University of Iowa, you know, my, myself, a lot of us know about the different practicums and opportunities that there are that there are out there that this university has to offer. So take us through some of those opportunities you were able to take part in. I know just off the top of mind, you mentioned the Chicago practicum. I know mm -hmm. you and I kind of sort of did the first ever NASCAR practicum during the COVID year. Take us through yep. those experiences and what you're able to be a part of. Yeah, I think you hit that nail on the head. I was fortunate enough to kind of know what I wanted to do going into college. And if that's not the route that some people have, it's totally fine. I don't think you need to figure it out day one. I just was kind of blessed in the fact that I had a passion for it. And I realized some, someone must have told me early on that there was a career in that. So look at schools that had the opportunity, but um, yeah, University of Iowa was great. I did the Blackhawks uh, Cedar Rapids Colonels practicum in summer of 2019, I believe. And that was, man, that is uh, work from the get-go. A lot of fun in hindsight, but those two, three months that you're, that we're doing it, about two months, I guess, are, are really hard work. So had an awesome uh, group of classmates that we did it with. My first, the first part of it's working with the uh, Cedar Rapids Colonels, uh, the affiliate for the Twins, I believe, and um, we, I was the marketing department, so we did a, we got to do a uh, promotion night, basically create a promotion night that they have not done before from scratch, um, and all the logistics in between, obviously the idea and the creative side, innovative, what does that actually mean from anything to, you know, what giveaways are we getting, what's the output of production, what's our staff going to be involved in, do we, you know, how do we get sponsors or ticket sales? What kind of deals can we use? Things like that, all the kind of the whole A to Z process of a promotion tonight um, that we did. So ours happened to be Clue Night, um, which they were gonna use and then COVID hit. And so I don't think they've used it yet, which is unfortunate, but uh, long story short, we had a Clue Mystery Night using a local uh, 
performance stage and they were going to do this whole like play the game of clue you know the whodunit kind of mystery thing so it was a lot of fun definitely a lot of hard work in that too and they presented that to the colonel staff uh, then we moved to chicago for three four weeks um worked with the blackhawks and their team i know that practicum just finished a couple weeks ago uh dan does that every year that's such a fantastic practicum because talk about people who just love pouring into college students is the blackhawks they've done it for so many years now and they keep just they keep going with it so it's great um my group there was also a marketing group we did a kids club initiative and then they had at that point they had a new atrium in the united center it's obviously three years old now but it was kind of a two three-parter of uh, what events can we incorporate in that new atrium uh, grassroots marketing of how can we get into more festivals and activations in the city and then also a kids club initiative so the blackhawks had had a kids club um, they had taken it down because they wanted to kind of fix it up and, and make it bring a new idea, a new package to that. And so we did a three part uh, presentation for the Chicago Blackhawks in that and presenting different ideas um, from the atrium, grassroots marketing and festivals, and then had a kind of a kids club idea. So those that was the uh, Chicago Blackhawks and Seed Rapids Colonels. And like I said, it's definitely worth every second of the experience, but just know that it was a if you do it that's some late nights and early mornings to get that stuff done because <laughs> I think there, our proposal was probably 80 90 pages for that Blackhawks one just from the details that are needed for it so uh and then the NASCAR one I know Nathan we did that together during the COVID year and honestly after you kind of introduced me to the sport of NASCAR a little bit I mean obviously I'd heard of NASCAR but never really thought about it that much and here I am now but uh that one we worked with the 500 and just what grace to get people tuned in from the beginning all the way through was something I can kind of realize now in hindsight working for them that that's obviously the biggest event of the year for the sport and it's awesome to get people tuned in for the first 20-30 minutes but we want people to be tuned in and watching the race all the way to the end um, and everything in between so worked with the team there of creating some ideas of how to get Fox incorporated into that Fox runs the first half of the NASCAR races and then it switches to NBC for the second half. So Fox has the 500 there at the beginning and we had some ideas on creating um, just some of the Fox promotions they have with the Gordon Ramsay's show, uh, The Masked Singer and some of the other popular shows on Netflix or excuse me on Fox working with the, the with NASCAR and Fox Sports to kind of integrate those two and get people tuned in to the 500 for longer. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing, you know, your experiences and kind of what you took part in with those practicums. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I remember, you know, when I was doing the whole college search, it was a Chicago practicum that pretty much was a hook, line, and sinker for me mm -hmm. coming to the University of Ohio. I know growing up in Illinois, like yourself, I'm from Chicago, you know, just being a big Blackhawks fan and seeing that, like, wow, like, they're at their ice range, ice skating, you know, getting to learn from professionals in the industry. It's, it's like a dream come true when you you know, grow up yeah. walking the sport and then end up wanting to work in it. And then again, just going back to the fact that you were able to take part in different experiences for NASCAR, you had mentioned in the beginning that it was kind of like your introduction into the sport. Obviously, we've all heard of the, the what is and what NASCAR is, but not so much. I feel like there are a lot of people out there that only think about the big four when it comes to career. That's yeah. definitely something that I wanted to focus on specifically. There are a lot of college programs out there that offer these sorts of practicums or internships, and maybe you will, uh, the word that other colleges use, but as somebody who was a college student involved in these practicums, why should current college students make the time to take part in these courses? 
Yeah, I mean, it's there. You learn so much from I think the practicality of actually being and working directly with uh, professionals in these practicums. You know, this isn't like an intern program where you're going and grabbing coffee for for Blackhawks executives or whatever. I mean, they and all of them. Uh, and even the ones I didn't do, I know they have one in San Diego that's really great in Minnesota that they do. I didn't do all of them, but in all the practicums, the professionals of those teams and organizations actually care and want to learn about your ideas, which I think is great because you're 20, 21 or whatever you are, and you have ideas that you think are great and propose them and realize, oh my gosh, those will never actually work in the actual industry. And then you also have ideas that are good. I'm like, hey, this could actually stick and do something. And so I think. The advantage of it is it's a course. So you it, you know, you don't have to pay really for besides just a normal like college course, you know, and you're getting to experience with real life professionals. And obviously the networking side of it's a huge part of it too. I mean, I have connections still from a couple of them that that actually care about your career and seeing uh, it grow and develop, remembering from your practicum experience. But you really just get you get a hands-on view from a legitimate internal perspective of how these organizations run, um, which I think there's there's no better way of getting actual experience, of being able to graduate and feel confident in a role that you get post-college when you've literally had experience working in the industry. Compare, I mean, textbooks and classes are great. You definitely learn a lot from them. But I think that pairing with a legitimate course that you're working for the team, it it's, it's just not the same. It's You get that much more of an added experience. Couldn't agree with you more there. And like, talk about getting experience while in school as well. Like most people right. wait until the summer to get an mm -hmm. internship or get that experience working in the sports industry. But I think it says a lot, you know, being able to take a course where you're pretty much working the entire semester with this organization, creating marketing plans or creating a proposal to present to the professionals. It, it really says a lot, not only about, you know, gaining that experience, but also twofold, the fact that you're able to manage a full-time sports world while in college while also being able to get that experience in sports. And I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head in terms of what I wanted to highlight there. I, mm -hmm. if, if you're out there in college and have any of these practicums or experiences available that you can take part in while in college, I think the benefits out there are twofold, especially with if you, especially if you're somebody who still doesn't know exactly what they want to do. I think this is a great opportunity to pretty much expose yourself to the different career paths out there. You know. Yeah. Especially for you, you know, the the NASCAR practice was specifically focused on the, the, the Daytona 500, and now you're working at the Daytona International Speedway. So take us through how working the NASCAR practice on that semester kind of helped you into the role that you have now as the guest service coordinator at, at Daytona International Speedway. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and before I get there, something you just said, I definitely want to reiterate is you learn in practicums what you like but also what you don't like and I think that's super important in sports is that there's it's when you go to college for it and you know if someone listening wants to pursue this I think you learn there's a lot more than just selling tickets and getting butts and seats and then having a game or a race and then you go home and uh, there's a lot of parts and there are some aspects of the industry that I would not want to work in and you learn that really quickly, I think, being able to kind of see firsthand of, of how the whole operation is set from beginning to end, which I think is, is definitely crucial. Uh, going on to your, your question there about uh, my role now, um, obviously I'd heard of NASCAR. I hadn't really watched it that much. Um, I think 
it's definitely something a younger generation that NASCAR is now trying to really implement and focus on. But the practicum, I was introduced to Matt Norby was uh, one of the um, executives for the sport that worked with us in the practicum. Uh, I was introduced to him. We've gotten coffee. I've met him in person now since the practicums happened when he's been here with, for the 500 other race, uh, racing events, which has been great. But I didn't realize at the time until kind of the practicum and then obviously now being here, just how big of the event of the 500 is one, but then just the sport itself. Motorsports is a lot more than just NASCAR. It is NASCAR a lot. But there's a lot of intricate parts into that that I didn't realize about these the sport. And I've had a new appreciation for because it's it's a lot of fun. It's a whole new group of people, and it's more than just a two hour time limit of people you know driving in circles. There's a whole livelihood of people that camp out here, and just the passion of the fans is is been a lot of fun. So I think the 500, the practicum with NASA, with the Iowa NASCAR kind of introduced me to that of like there's people that go pretty hard and pretty crazy and really enjoy or passionate about NASCAR kind of what that, what is that about? Um, and then when I saw the internship uh, with a guest service department here at the speedway, I kind of applied tiptoed in as like, I think I have a little bit of NASCAR knowledge from the practicum, you know, let's see what this is about. And then I've been here ever since. Yeah, no, I remember um, having Matt come on and join us and just, you know, being mm -hmm. able to write about his career and what the NASCAR industry has to offer. And it was through that practice. I'm like yourself, like, I had no idea outside of just like cars making left turns that what the sport was about. <laughs> and I think in yeah. college, especially, you don't really think about the whole business and side of the industry. Obviously, you're just a fan watching the sport for entertainment. But once you get the behind the scenes look, you get in, um, introduced into different career paths. You know, whether it's guest services, marketing, partnerships, sales, I think, you know, like you said, with the um, practicum, it was a great opportunity for you to not only learn about the sport, but get interested in different careers. Um, I definitely want to focus on what your role is like now, being a guest services coordinator. I know I had no idea that there were roles out there before I even heard about, you know, what even a guest services coordinator was. So for somebody who out there looking for this position, well, what, what's your day-to-day -day like? What does it mean to be a guest service coordinator for the Daytona International Speedway? Yeah, my biggest thing and with my role is people. I knew I wanted to, like I think I said at the beginning of the podcast, I love the idea of bringing sports to people and connecting sports to the fan base because they've meant so much to me and just growing up, always loved watching and loved playing, all that kind of stuff. And so for me now, uh, my, my role in a simple one-sentence, you know, one-liner is just to ensure that the guests have a great time when they come to our track from the moment they get on, whether they're driving and parking to everything in between watching the race, finding their seat, enjoying the campgrounds or our infields, um, and then to leaving that they have as, as seamless of a process as they can. Um, a little bit more detail than that, I oversee our information department uh, with the guest service team. So we have, for those that don't know, the Speedway is just under 500 acres of properties. We have about 480 acres of property, which is huge. Wow. Um, and so we are in charge of, uh, I staff, um, I have a guest service booth staff of about 70, 75 people on, um, a given event day that have kind of the information centers. You'll see them a lot at stadiums, you know, say like, have a question, come here or like need help. You know, the question mark kind of areas. I oversee, um, 26 of those booths throughout our property. We have a one mile long venue that runs end to end and seats 101,000 fans. Um, and there's about 15 to 16 of those booths inside the venue, as well as then 
um, within our infield. So inside the track where they actually drive around is um, a full infield where we have about a thousand campers that come and camp out for these events um, in RVs. So they'll come usually on a Monday, Tuesday, stay throughout the week, and then the race usually caps off on a Sunday and they'll move out on Monday. So I have guest service booth staffed within um, the campgrounds and the infields to our fan zone, which is another uh, ticket activation piece that people can come in and enjoy and be down by the pits and see the garages, um, see some of the stuff that the NASCAR drivers deal with in preparation for there. So I oversee all that. I also assist our guest service manager and senior manager who oversee all the ticket admissions, you know, getting people from their cars, ticket scans into the seats, as well as working with those campground staff, making sure everybody's in the right spot and situated there. And then our ushers. So our guest service manager um, oversees uh, about 300 ushers uh, throughout the day. It's a, a large venue to have a lot of staff um, in. So on an event day, that's what I'm usually doing. And then I oversee all of our stakeholder communication for our internally for our staff. So I uh, create basically what we call internally a brief sheet. It is an eight and a half by 11, one sheeter front and back with as much information as you can possibly stack in there. So I do parking lot times, ticket office prices, hospitality suites, you know, where the guest service booths are going to be at, maps, pretty much anything you can think of, just like a question a fan might have, you know, concession schedules. People are like, hey, where's the closest taco? You're like, I don't know, hold on, let me check. And, <laughs> you know, I have a list of the concessions where they're at, things like that, that I send out to um, all of the departments that work for DIS. Um, that way they can have kind of in a, fold it up, put it in their pocket, they can have some info to help should a guest come up to them. So overall, yeah, I, I we work here as a team, just trying to make sure that every process can hopefully be as seamless as, as it can. And then if there's any kind of problems with ticket issues or disparities, um, questions that they just don't have answered or something that we didn't fulfill as, as a track, as um, a company that I'm kind of the, hopefully can help put out that fire, um, problem solve it and get them to make sure they have the rest of their time that they're here is, is a good time. Because people come out to sports to have fun. So you don't, you know, people, a lot of people that I've met have saved up for a lot of these events for years, or that they've come every year for the last 45 years. Wow. And I'm like, my gosh, you know, they haven't missed since the seventies or something. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you're insane. But um, they all, they ultimately just want to have a good time. And, you know, my job is to help them and make sure they can do that that any questions or problems they have is, is answered, solved, and they can put that, you know, be done with that and put that in the back mirror and enjoy the rest of the race. My first answer to that is just, wow. Like, I had <laughs> no idea how big the track was and the amount of space and people that you had to, you know, plan out for, make sure everybody's accommodated for. Like you mentioned, you're, you're doing a lot with scheduling. Sometimes people just want to know where the closest taco is. I think it's, <laughs> pretty insane just to think about the amount of things that you know you have to account for and especially when it comes to the grand Daddy race that is the daytona international speedway uh i mean the daytona 500 you had mentioned like mm -hmm. you had no idea how big the race actually was and this is pretty much the sports super bowl the world series and, and i think it's just insane that you're able to you know manage all that and be able to go through that process to make sure this event is as good as it can be for for the viewers and for the people that are there you know, one thing that I think that is really cool and interesting, if I'm not mistaken, when you were at this role, you were able to work the first race that was back post-COVID. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, it was. That This last year, it's my first, I've done two 500s now. My first 500 was a limited capacity of about 35,000 people. Um, so it was still great. Loved it. Um, but this last February, we had the full-blown, you know, 100 
1,000 fans in the seats and another probably 20,000 in the campgrounds. And it was amazing. Give us a little bit more detail of what that's like for somebody out there whose dream it is to be at the Daytona 500 and giving the perspective of somebody who's actually worked this event. What was it like for you? Give us a little bit more detail as to what that race was really like. Yeah, it was an absolute blast. It has seriously been one of my, definitely my favorite working day, the day I've ever worked, I think probably um, in the industry and definitely since I've been here. It was a blast. There was just a, an energy kind of around the, the stadium, around staff, the fans, the whole day. You know, you get there super early, six, seven in the morning, uh, then get all prepped for a three o'clock start. Um, and then we had, you know, a finish around whatever it is, seven, eight, nine uh, o'clock. So it was a full day of events and it was, I, it was great. We had Luke Holmes um, did a pre, pre-show concert. Um, we had the Thunderbirds fly out and do their, their famed flyover over the track, which have some really awesome pictures. Trace Adkins of the National Anthem. It was just one of those events and it ended up being a great race. Uh, Austin Cedric finished um, and got his his first win there of the season or starting off the season with a kind of surprising win, which was always great for the sport. Throw it up, throw it uh, for a little bit of a loop. And it was just a blast. It's one of those things where I didn't realize how much fun I was going to have the whole day. And it's one of those days you're just like, wow, this is my job, you know, I get to have a blast and hang out with people who are also here having a blast um, each and every day. So one of those days you're, you're pretty much smiling from 7 a.m. to, you know, 1 a.m. when you leave because you just had such a blast working at that event and a lot of awesome fans who, like I said, they, you know, a lot of them have been saving up. I've met a couple people that saved up for, you know, many years to come out to this event and they had waited because they didn't want to go to a COVID event. They wanted to come to the full-blown thing and then had other people that had, you know, they hadn't missed a race in 30 years. They had missed the 500 and they weren't going to miss it last year for COVID. And they were definitely weren't going to miss it when we came back. So, uh, oh, just, just fun. Fun's the only word I can describe. It, it was a surreal experience. Uh, and definitely, even if you're not a motorsports fan, even if you don't watch NASCAR on a Sunday, the 500 is an event that everyone should go to. It's up there with, you know, your football games, your World, Ser- World Series and stuff. It is, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't been able to go out there to Daytona, but every time I catch it on TV, I always feel like it's the, the most spectacular thing when it comes to motorsport, especially. And I just think mm-hmm. you describing your experience of what you've been able to be a part of, I feel like that's what sports is all about. You know, you, yep. you mentioned that you had that like, wow, this is my job moment. And I think that's one of the greatest things about working in sports, you know, whether you grew up following NASCAR your entire life or, you know, following your favorite baseball, football, soccer team, whatever the case may be, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're working at a place where your office or, or in your backyard is the International Speedway or Wrigley Field yeah. or whatever the case may be. And I think for a lot of people out there, it, it's really awesome to be able to, you know, just take a step back and realize that this is your role and your career and what you're going to be doing um, pretty much until you retire. And so just being able to hear the things that you're able to be able to take a part of uh, I think it's really awesome, especially as somebody who isn't too familiar with the sport. Hopefully anybody listening out there, hearing about Hannah's experiences, definitely gets you a little bit hyped about what NASCAR is about and has to offer. Now, obviously, race day, the 2500 is one day out of the 365 days there are. Mm-hmm. So as somebody who isn't too familiar with the sport, I'm very curious to hear what your role looks like when there is no you know, big race or event going on uh, out there at the Speedway. Well, what's that like for you whenever of the 364 days um, are left in the other side. 
yeah, def definitely a lot still. Um, you know, kind of adding to a point you said there is I was not familiar with motorsports at all when I started here. And that was almost, I'm super thankful that that was a, that has been the start of my career um, because I think I was challenged and, you know, I'm very familiar with football, baseball, you know, hockey, basketball, kind of the big four and stuff. And I watched those a lot growing up. And so working in a sport that I wasn't familiar, as familiar with has been a fun challenge because you have to learn about the sport as you're learning about your career, your position. So it's something I would say for anyone listening, not to shy away from if it's, if you're not as familiar with tennis or soccer, or maybe even it's a big four, you're not as familiar with hockey to not, don't stray away from going into a, a team or a career in those fields and those sports, just because you're not familiar with it. Um, but going off the uh, your question about the other 364 days, well, I found out very quickly, speaking of that, that we have a lot more than just NASCAR events here. Yeah. So we have uh, two NASCAR events um, every year. So we have we start the season off with the 500 in February, and then we cap the season off before the playoffs in August. So we have the Coke Zero Sugar 400 coming up here at the end of August, and that will cap off the re regular season. So we have two NASCAR weekends a year. But then we've stayed, we stay busy throughout the whole year. So we have um, an organization called IMSA. Uh, and they oversee motorsports on a more of an international level. Uh, we have the Rolex 24 race that actually goes before the 500. It's usually the last weekend of July or uh, January, excuse me. And that's a 24 hour race. So they are different styles of, of vehicles. I wish I could break down for you the types yeah. of bodies and what they mean. I don't know that I'm not as familiar with that, um, but it's a different style of a car and it's usually a team of four drivers and they actually race for 24 hours straight. So they'll start on Saturday at 3 p.m. and we'll race the entire night um, morning and finish the race at 3 p.m. the next Sunday. So we have that race usually in January and yes, fans can stay the entire day. So we do have fans that obviously camp out with us and stay in the infield, but also fans that will sit in the grandstands for the entire race if they want to. Um, that's usually in January. Uh, Speed week usually takes up February, uh, which, is, which is caps off uh, the 500. Uh, then in March, we transition into uh, motocross. So after the 500 is done in February, we will bring in a couple hundred or thousand tons of uh, dirt and our infield ball field will become a BMX motor, motocross um, field, if you will. So they'll create a course um, each year. It's a little bit different. Ricky Carmichael and his team create the course. And we have the Monster Energy Supercross event the first weekend of, of March, followed by a two-week, what we call Bike Week in Daytona, Daytona Bike Week. So our midway, our kind of out front of the venue is open all week. And motorcycles from across the country come out to Daytona. There'll usually be 50,000 plus motorcycles in the area uh, to come out and Harley, uh, Indian, uh, Yamaha, a bunch of the, the big motorcycle brands will come out and uh, do uh, basically shows kind of throughout the whole week of with vendors and different things at the Speedway. And then the end of that caps off is capped off by the Daytona 200, which is a motorcycle race around the track. So they actually use their bikes. I mean, not like motorcycles, it's more of a more of a kind of bike, a uh, dirt bike, if you will, on the track. Yeah. Um, and they drive and they have a race around the actual course, which is pretty insane. Um, I also work with our Southeast, Southeast region, region, excuse me. So um, at, at NASCAR, we're kind of split up into regions. Uh, the Southeast region for us is obviously here at us at Daytona, as well as Homestead Miami Speedway. 
in Talladega Super Speedway. So I travel with uh, our guest service team here to the other two tracks in Talladega, Alabama and Miami, Florida. And uh, we work those those events when they have those. So Talladega is usually in April. Uh, usually it's the Geico 500 race in April. Work there for that. And then usually in May, we have a couple concerts. So this last May we had, uh, yeah, say, say busy is because the point here. <laughs> we have a couple concerts. We had a Welcome to Rockville Festival for four days. And then we actually had the, a Heroes Honors Festival, which is our first time. Uh, it's a festival dedicated to honoring Vietnam veterans. It's the first time we did that. Super cool event. Uh, we'll definitely check out their website and uh, check out the event if you've never heard of it great organization um and really the whole purpose of the weekend was just to honor vietnam vets um since they weren't honored when they came back from the war so needless to say i could keep going i won't give you my whole entire schedule <laughs> for the podcast but we stay busy with other events so we have a multitude of different motorsports that we have here besides nascar as well as different events like festivals we had our first soccer game here july 4th weekend um and we're definitely growing we're looking for ways to incorporate our space our track our field, um, and there's different things we have here at the Speedway to host different groups of people and get them out to to the Speedway, um, hopefully encourage them to come out for more events. Man, talk about you learn something new every day. I had no idea how busy that track was throughout the year. Uh, and yeah. the you're, you're not only working, you know, the big Daytona 500, you're working concerts, small motorbike events, um, all these different, you know, uh, opportunities that the track has to offer. I think it's always an interesting question you're hearing what professionals have to say when it comes to working the offseason. You know, just by what you said, I, I can imagine working the offseason is definitely a lot busier than sometimes actual race day. And so, you know, just hearing all the different opportunities that you've been able to be a part of, I, I, I think that's awesome and great for our listener. Um, before we segue into the next topic, I'm curious, uh, what are your thoughts about, you know, NASCAR coming to your home state of Illinois running a race in Chicago. It's definitely super exciting. The the race and the the course that they've designed and kind of the location, if you're familiar, obviously with Chicago, I know Nathan, you are, you know, they're going down Lakeshore and Michigan Avenue and a lot of cool spots down in the city. So not only is it bringing uh, NASCAR back to Chicago, which is awesome. I know that's been a point of emphasis for, for the company. And um, we used to have a speedway out there that is no longer working in function. So bringing NASCAR back to the city has, is awesome and i think we're super excited for it as a company there's a lot of hype um around it i think i've seen a lot of linkedin posts and emails and just a lot of uh, a lot of good good communication here we're all just really excited for it i think it's going to be we had the bush clash you know at in uh early february this year out in L, at the LA coliseum which was a brand new one for us there and so for nascar continues to kind of have some innovative ideas and stretch in places that maybe you wouldn't think the sport would be in yeah. Uh, which I think has been is fun for the viewers and for the sport to grow. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I know, you know, not being a casual fan and maybe only catching the biggest races. When I heard that it was going to be in Chicago, I was I was pretty shocked and pretty hyped to hear, you know, that NASCAR is actually going to have a race on the streets. Like I was like, where did mm -hmm. it happen? There's no track in Chicago. Like, well, how do yeah. we do this? But then looking at the layout of the map and going down Lakeshore, I know. When, whenever the uh, when the event happens come July next year, I know I definitely have to make sure I'm back home and see if I get a little glimpse of what NASCAR is all about. Um, so for anybody listening out there, definitely make sure to save the date July July fourth weekend, right? If I'm not mistaken, out there in Chicago. Yep, it will be that that Fourth of July weekend. Uh, I think it's technically the second third of next year. Um, but yeah, Fourth of July weekend, check it out. I have no idea what the logistics are going to be. Yeah. Thank God that it's not part of my job to do, but. Uh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be exciting for sure. 
Oh yeah, I bet. And for anybody out there, great volunteer experience opportunities. I'm pretty sure anybody in the Chicagoland area, I'm sure they have a lot to offer. So mm -hmm. we're, we're coming up close to the end of the show here, Hannah. And before we close it out, you know, give closing regards. We like to do something here where we call the Black Friday interviews, which is pretty much for putting you on a hot seat, asking you questions to get to know you a little bit more and to give our listeners a little bit more of an inside perspective on the personality of Hannah Collins. So you're ready? All right, let's go. All right, so the very first question that I have for you here, what was your favorite home-cooked meal growing up? Ooh, that is a good one. My mom used to make something called taco soup um, in the wintertime, obviously cold, cold, uh, cold Illinois winters, and it was like, it was basically like tacos, but in a soup form, and it was, which maybe sounds curious, maybe I'm not doing a good job at describing it, but it was delicious, and she always made it on Sundays for football games, and so we'd sit and watch the various games, and um, you know, eat some salting crackers with the soup. So that's definitely one that comes to mind. There's definitely nothing like a warm home cooked meal on a winter, winter, winter day in you know the Illinois area in Midwest. We definitely know how yep. brutal winters can be. But uh, definitely appreciate you sharing that. The next one that I have for you here, if you could be anyone's personal assistant, who would you choose and why? I think The Rock. I think no. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I, he's, I love him. I just think he's such a, a cool, he's a cool story, first of all, which I appreciate. Definitely yeah. a guy that came, came from nothing, hard work, and has got to where he's at. So I always appreciate someone who's been able to work for where, they've, where they're at in the world now. And yeah. I also just think he's a funny guy, and he would be a fun guy to hang around. I feel like he, if you were his personal assistant, um, there would never be a boring day at the office. You know, whether you're making a movie or now you're doing the XFL or you're going back to WWE, you're hanging out at the University of Miami. You know, he does a lot of stuff. He has a couple of his own brands, um, you know, so he's always doing something. And, you know, he sings, he's in Milana. So he'd be a cool guy to hang out with because you would never, and you would never have a boring day. You would always have something fun to do. Yeah, I definitely can't disagree with you there. It's like you said, this guy's put his hands in just about everything, whether it's acting, sports, you know, the business, you know, savvy, mm -hmm. the business savvy man that he is. I, I think you're correct there. No day will ever be boring working for Dwayne Rock Johnson. The last question that I have for you here, Hannah, is kind of low-hanging fruit. Obviously, you said that you weren't really too familiar with NASCAR, but now that you've been in the sport for a couple of years, who's your favorite NASCAR driver? All right. Yeah. Um, mine's going to be William Byron, number 24. Um, okay. I think part of it came from that Jeff Gordon was the driver that I had heard of um, back in the day, and he drove 24. But I got to be honest, I definitely just saw his car the first time. And I was like, that's a sweet looking car. Uh, his exalt, the, the paint scheme for his Exalta uh, colored car is, is pretty cool. And he also has a Liberty University car. And I'm a big fan of the Flames. So he has a sweet Liberty University car as well as an awesome Exalta uh rainbow color scheme um and so he's he's won once twice actually already this year i believe so he's in the playoffs for sure so i'll be cheering him on come playoff season here yeah hopefully best of luck to him and uh, hopefully you'll be definitely rooting him on once the time comes around i know for me dale Earnhardt jr was like my guy growing up uh watching yep. him and uh, i think right now bubble wallace is probably the main guy that i follow so yeah, definitely great great list of drivers there excited for playoff season here soon Piano Hannah, that officially concludes the Black Friday interviews. Appreciate you participating in. for our listeners there. Hopefully you learned a little bit more about Hannah and what her personality is like. So like you had mentioned, this is, that was pretty much the last closing segment of the show. But before we let you go, I definitely have one more question that I want to ask, and then you can give your closing remarks about advice. 
I don't think Perfect. it would be a show with two Hawkeyes here, unless you <laughs> mentioned the names that you had mentioned earlier. You know, Anna Jensen, Dan Matheson, Packy Morang. I think mm -hmm. not a lot of people talk enough about the importance of building connections with your professors, especially in the sports industry. Take us through mm -hmm. what some of those people meant to you and why college students out there should take the time to build relationships with their professors. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, I think there are two. They, those three people, Alex Voss, um, you know, I can name a lot of them at, at the University of Iowa. I feel like they just cared and they genuinely did. I mean, more than just, hey, go get an A on your paper and do better this time. You know, it was a genuine, they're, they're all great people, one, but they also want to see you succeed in your career and know how to do that more than just, hey, this is a textbook, slap it, learn it, and that's how you succeed. You know, they have some some legitimate experience in the industry themselves and are also constantly learning. You know, they haven't been out of, the, out of their careers and then just assume what they knew and what they did 20 years ago is what they do now. You know, they're constantly innovating themselves um, and making sure that they stay upstate on and network themselves to help us network. They've, but they've all been nothing but just helpful to me um, in, during school and then post-school. I know I could probably message any of them or text any of them um, and just say, you know, hey, how's it going? And I know I'd get a response and it was like, how are you? What's new? You know, because they care and they and they they keep up on alumni, current students and where people are at. You know, you see Dan or uh, Packy or any of them, they're all very active on social media, on LinkedIn, because they care about their students more than just getting them through and getting them on to the next, uh, you know, next year. They care about them post postgraduate and you know, every step of the way from that. And there's there's always a benefit of getting people in your corner, you know, anyone that you can get in your corner for, you know, personal or for career aspirations, it can't hurt. I mean, and again, knowing your professors and getting people that in your corner that are gonna care for you, help you figure out the good times, the bad times, I think is always something to go for in the University of Iowa SRM program. They all do that. So they're all great people. I, th I think that you pretty much exemplified what I was trying to get there perfectly. I don't think there's been a greater group of people that I've known than the professors here at Iowa, especially when it comes to the career-wise. Like, I, I find it funny when I speak with friends and how they almost know not a single professor that they've had throughout their four-year career. But here yeah. at Iowa, I can, you know, text pack me and let them know how crappy the Bengals were. But <laughs> right. now, they just made the Super Bowl, though. Like, obviously, all things are good. Or I can, like, text Dan Matheson and let about, you know, his career with the Yankees or just ask for advice. I think, you know, the professors, especially within sports management programs that come to us are really helpful and truly care about their students. It's like you had mm -hmm. mentioned, it's not all about the textbook and you're going to learn everything through here. They have experience, you know, Dan working with the Yankees, Packy and Anna come from one of the most prestigious graduate programs of sports management. And they, the amount of connections and people they know is just right. far and beyond anybody that I know, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. So, if you're in college, I definitely want to highlight you that make the time to get to know your professors. You never know what connection or opportunity that they they know that you don't, and that they're obviously there to help you in any way they can. So appreciate you, Hannah, for sharing your kind of relationship that you have with them. And I, I couldn't agree more. I have the same, and knowing, knowing the people that are here, I think it's very important, especially for college students um, right now. With that being said, I definitely want to get any last words of advice for, for our listeners here, Hannah. We met, we talked about a lot of different things, but for those currently in college or barely starting to break into the sports industry, what sort of last piece of advice do you have for, have for those people? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I definitely could, could think of or say. Um, I think two things. One, find out what you're passionate about. Sports gives you an – sports is a very general thing to say. As I work in sports, that can mean so many different things. That can mean facility operations, event operations, ticketing, sales, partnerships, corporate, guest services, marketing, communication. You, know, you can go on. So find what you're specifically passionate about, and I think just go for it. And don't be afraid to um, try different sports, like I said earlier, that maybe you're not as familiar with. Um, and then two, just always be willing to learn. That's one thing I always, I try to tell people now about myself and I want to continue being is that you're never going to know everything. And there's always people <laughs> that have been in the career longer or know more about it than you and just learn from it. You know, even if you have 10, 15, 20 years someday of experience on your belt, uh, there's always, there's always things to improve want to learn. And so keeping that, that hat on of learning and not to be like super cheesy here, but it, I think it's super important to, yeah. continue learning to, to continue striving to find ways to gain knowledge not just being like hey if someone tells me about this I'm gonna like okay that's something to learn but like going on your way to get better at your field learn more about other people's fields so that you can do the best in your career I think moving forward is always something super important I think those are awesome last words of advice there Hannah especially with getting to know exactly what it is you want to focus on I think it goes back yeah. to what we talked about throughout the episode taking part in different practicums networking and meeting with professors and different people to really get to know what is exactly that you like and don't like so that way you know mm -hmm. exactly what it is you want to get into you know once you graduate from college and uh, headed into the big boy world I know as a senior it's it's been a little scary knowing that, that <laughs> that's coming up for me but I, I've had a great people like yourself to have examples to look up to and people like professors to learn from so uh, I appreciate those last words and knowledge for everybody listening, that concludes today's episode of Front Office U. Thank you again so much, Hannah Collins, for joining me here on today's episode of Front Office U Friday. For anybody listening out there, Hannah's contact information will be put in the description. So feel free to let her know that we sent you. Have a chat about, you know, what the taco soup is all about or what the Daytona 500 <laughs> is like. So um, as always, make, make sure that you guys send any questions or feedback that you may have to us. Please follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram, and we will see everybody on the next episode of Front Office U Friday.